on this episode of the No City on the Sideline, Dad, this episode about all about Halloween. It's a Halloween episode. Important topic about food allergies as the kids go trick-or-treating in a couple next couple nights. Next on the podcast. Let's do this. Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, my name is Joe Foley. I really want to thank you for being here. So you choose to spend time listening to the podcast means a lot to me, and I, I really appreciate your time. And if it's your first time, Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. You have a minute. Check out the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad YouTube channel. You'll find some of the content that's not on this, actually in the podcast, but there are other interviews, video interviews of really interesting people. And you have a second? Subscribe. Subscribe to the channel so you get updated videos and content that may not be in the podcast. Check it out. Next up, my conversation with Katherine Keis. We talked about how to keep your kids safe during Halloween and Halloween parties and trick-or-treating. Catherine is a certified health and wellness coach, self-proclaimed health and wellness junkie. <laughs> She's also an author of the book, Kate Can't Eat Nuts, about food allergies, like nut allergies. This book follows Kate's while well. she navigates the world of food allergies. It can be difficult in having, in having that conversation. This is a fun conversation with Catherine, so let's jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, welcome. I really do appreciate you being here. And I know the Halloween season, we're going to talk about food allergies. We're going to talk about keeping kids safe during the, during the Halloween season. Because in, in, nowadays, in my, I remember as kids, and I remember as a kid, I don't know if you remember, I was going trick-or-treating and stuff. And that was the, I think the number one goal was who could fill the biggest bag up first. Yes. And that was the most fun. Um, and having fun doing that and stuff like that, going house to house. And, and everybody goes crazy decorating for Halloween candy and stuff like that what was your experience during the halloween season for you and when you were young um well i always loved it and it's interesting now to to kind of pay attention to the weather as it is mm-hmm. these days versus when i was a kid because i felt like or when i was a kid and i would dress up in my costume i always had to have a jacket and i always felt bummed that like that jacket would cover up parts of my halloween costume and so now i feel like we never know what and i'm in atlanta too so we have much more temperate winters and falls so it's, it's always kind of a, a toss up what the weather will be like as an adult dressing up for Halloween, let alone like hosting kids or trick or treaters or whatnot. Um, but as a kid, I remember trick or treating with my friends. It was just such a fun time. It's definitely one of those social, memorable social events, I think, as a kid. Uh, and I also, I remember having a sense of independence because my parents would let me like trick or treat through our neighborhood without them having to be there because it was a fairly safe neighborhood. I was with usually a group of girls or maybe like one of their parents was tagging along. Uh, and it was always just like a, a lot of fun and um, freedom is what I remember. Yeah. What about you? What do you remember? I remember having a big trash bag going door to door and, and um, coming up with the costumes every year. And I <laughs> um, remember one year um, my, my stepfather made, we made our costumes that year. It's not, we're not the typical with the, uh, you know, with the sheet with the two eyes and the mouth yeah. for like a ghost, but actually took a couple boxes and made a robot. I think that was the most creative, oh really cool. creative, uh, creative way of, I wanted to go buy it. I'd be honest with you. I was one of those kids. Come on, let's go buy that one. Was the plastic with the, the mask? Nope. We're making it this year. Wow. So 
being creative with the light bulbs and and making a robot. I think it was a lot of fun. That was one of the childhood experiences I think that are kind of missed nowadays. Mm-hmm. Did he in, uh, did he involve you in making it too? Like, did you help him make it, or did he make it for you? I think I did it. He helped a little bit, but I don't remember the details. It was so long ago. Yeah. But- it was one of those experiences that we weren't buying it this year. We're making it this year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was one creative way of doing it because mm-hmm. I remember like my son now, there's not, you know, trick or treating. We're going to talk about food allergy in a second, but I think it's different now because now the kids are all more involved in different kinds of characters and, and yeah. I've gone trick or treating with my son and um, I'm blown away by some of the costumes. I used to have like a mask of our superhero. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a plastic sheet that had yeah. like, like Superman's logo on it. And that was it. Yes. Nowadays people just, it's like another whole industry. Yes. And even now, like with Marvel too, I feel like the superhero costumes, like what you were saying are completely on a whole different level than they were when we were kids. It was like, I remember you would um, step into it and it would either tie in the back or it would like, I think it tied in the back. I don't even think there was any other enclosure. Like you tied it and that was that. Uh, and yeah, you couldn't barely breathe through the mask. Do you remember like right around your mouth? It was like, oh, yep. oh God, you couldn't breathe. And so you'd have to like lift it up. And yeah, now it's a very different uh, degree, very different sophistication. Well, interesting too. Also, the the candy has involved too. And as as we get older, it's different stuff now. I mean, I, I'm surprised. I go to my son's candy. There's still the typical chocolate like Hershey's, Kit Kats mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. But it, you know, I'm, um, I remember the experience is no open candy. And yep. um, no, no apples because at the time we were afraid of some people uh, poisoning them. Yes, yes. Actually, in prepping for this, I was talking to my mom about um, various tips for healthy tricks and treats and like things she might have given to me uh, so that I could pass them on to your viewers. And that was actually something that she mentioned was uh, the apples. And growing up, she was like, you can't give them fruit because somebody might have put a razor blade in it or they might have poisoned it. And I was like, really? That was... Did that actually happen or was that like an urban legend? I, I didn't do the research to confirm, but uh, to hear you say that, yeah, it definitely rings true. I think it might have been an urban legend. I'm not quite sure myself either because I, I think kids, they, they don't want no healthy stuff. Just give me all the right. sugar. Sugar, sugar, yes. sugar, sugar. Yes. Um, during the Hallow- Halloween, when you went to Trick as a kid, what was your favorite candy? I, what's funny is I didn't like the chocolate, which worked mm-hmm. out very well for my mom because she would uh, – She'd be like, well, let me check. This might have nuts in it. And it started off as a very safe, like she, she was being serious, but then she, she would be silly and she would like take just regular chocolate that had nothing <laughs> um, and she would completely benefit from my hoard, my stash. Uh, but I loved the, like the Laffy Taffies, the now and laters. Do you remember those? They were like mm. super hard taffies that stuck to your teeth and lasted forever. Uh, yeah. I loved all the fruity and the really sour stuff. I like the jelly beans. Oh. Jelly beans are my favorite. Okay. Okay. If you had a couple of Kit Kats thrown in there, that's fine. But the jelly beans were my favorite and stuff okay. like that. Well, one thing I brought on, brought you on tonight was I'll talk about. Well, this afternoon actually talk about food allergies during the ho- Halloween season with kids. You, you yourself had a nut allergy and stuff okay. like that. What a book we're gonna talk about in a few minutes. But what what kind of uh, background do you have in food allergies? Yeah. So um, I grew up with them. So I had the nut allergy as a child um, ever since I was one. Definitely since I could speak. So it started um, very, very early. And then later in life, I developed a dairy and a gluten intolerance where it's um, for gluten. It's not only digestive issues for me, but it also 
presents as symptoms of multiple sclerosis. So it's, it's kind mm -hmm. of a serious, yeah, it's a serious sensitivity. For me, my background was life experience. And then as I realized that this is a very serious topic and one that is becoming more and more common, there are two children in every classroom, the statistics show that has some sort of a food allergy. Um, I think we've grown in the list of allergens from, you know, three or four when I was little to now nine as the official list of common allergens that are required to be listed on food labels. So my, as I realized this, I, I thought that there was an opportunity for me to take the experience I had and supplement it with a formal training to become um, more effective in my community and in people's lives to help them navigate these sorts of situations. So I went back to school and became a board certified health coach. So I have the formal credentials as well as the life school of school. What do they say when it's like school of hard knocks? Or <laughs> school of hard knocks. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. What is a board certified health wellness coach? So a health coach is basically um, just like any coach that you would think of like for soccer, where you help, your client, um, identify what is it that stands in their way and where do they want to go? So what's the goal? How are they struggling to get there or why? Um, and sometimes the work is helping them uncover why they, you know, whether it's, um, the goal is to lose weight and some people have trouble understanding what their triggers are. But then once you reveal their triggers to them for why they might be reaching for those cookies at 2 PM every day, it's an easier road to, um, to walk down and then they're able to navigate how to achieve their goal with like certain milestones and things like that. Um, in other cases, it's helping someone who might be diagnosed with a food sensitivity, learn how to eat safely without feeling overwhelmed. So it's helping someone understand where do they want to go? Why do they want to get there and what stands in their way and making it accessible and doable instead of intimidating and mysterious and um, overwhelming. What are some of your experiences of um, not realizing, like making a mistake and having the food allergies? What were some of the kind of reactions and how did you deal with it? Yeah. So um, especially with nuts, nuts are hidden in a lot of things. And for me, that's my most serious allergy. So that's kind of why I mentioned that one specifically. Um, and I've definitely bumped up against, even as an adult, uh, being in a restaurant and speaking to somebody who says, oh, no, it's fine. You can have this. And I ended up in the ER. And so wow. it's yeah. So it can be very hard, um, especially when the staff of the restaurant or the eatery or the cafe um, aren't educated. And that can be very difficult. So sometimes it's um, having to say, like, does this have and actually saying almonds, pecans, pistachios, macadamia nuts, and actually telling them like, I cannot have these things, I will die. Um, and having them check the ingredients with the kitchen. Um, in other cases with gluten, for instance, I accidentally ate gluten last week. Um, and so for me, it was just a matter of like, okay, so that happened. I have to kind of forgive myself and take a deep breath and figure out how do I manage how I feel now and sort of just give myself the permission to be tired and not feel that well. And maybe not um, perform at the peak that I might otherwise because I'm not feeling well and I happen to have made a mistake and eaten something I shouldn't. Well, it's interesting too. People don't realize the hidden, like you said, hidden stuff and ingredients and stuff like that. And if you're not really paying attention, you can get yourself a real, a really, a real big bind and that stuff like that. Yes, you're absolutely right. Well, this time during the year, this is trick or treating. 
I know yeah. all the kids are looking forward to it. I know my son is where I got the costume. We're ready to go. It's, it's a Fortnite character. I had no idea who this person is, but it's a skull guy. It's a skull guy. It's guy was, okay. it's basically a skeleton. It looks like a glow in a dark guy. Oh, well, cool. One of the things now I know in the past going trick or treating with him and stuff, there's always people passing out all kinds of candy. Yes. And um, what are some things you need to look out for when we're going trick or treating the kids? Some kids will have food allergies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So if it's your kid, I'll take a simple example. If it's your child and you're aware of their food allergies, um, be also, and you likely are as a parent, you're aware of what those common uh, violators are. So if your kid has a nut allergy, you know, an almond joy is going to be a problem. You know, peanut butter or peanut M&Ms are going to be a problem. It's some of those more um, all natural snacks or healthier snacks that might have hidden nuts in them. And if you aren't sure about it, or if your child has not had it before, I would say like, inform your kid, empower your kid. Hey, if you haven't had it before, just wait till you get home. Let's check the ingredients. If it's not listed, because you know, when you buy, for instance, like a snack bag like this, if you look at it, sometimes they don't have the ingredients listed because it was on the big packaging. So you can go on the internet and check the ingredients if it is something that's unfamiliar and you, you aren't sure. Um, I would say if you are trick-or-treating with a child's friend and maybe you're not as familiar with their allergies, um, ask their parents before you go, like, do, you know, do any of your kids have food allergies or anything we need to be aware of? Um, ask the child. A lot of times they actually are educated on what they are allergic to. Um, and then probably just have that same kind of conversation. Hey, if you're not familiar with this, don't eat it because we want to keep you safe. So just wait till you get home and let's, you know, if you want a mid trick or treating treat, uh, pick something that, you know, or, um, you know, like usually the, the fruity candies are safer because they, they likely don't have gluten. They likely don't have nuts. Um, and those I think are the big and dairy. I think those are the biggest ones that you likely run up against, um, and in the trick or treating adventure. Well, it's interesting too. I was reading up like preparing for this episode and stuff like that. And I, and I didn't know this, but I, I guess I know now is the uh, teal pumpkin resource, the teal pumpkin free. Uh, yes. It was on foodallergy.org, and I was found it very interesting, too, about people. There's a whole thing about setting up a community, setting up about people in, um, doing the alternative. Instead of giving candy, giving out, like, coloring books, crayons, and stuff like that. Yes. I found that very interesting. I don't know if you heard more about that. Yeah, that's great. I love that you brought that up. Uh, yeah, so the Teal Pumpkin Project is by foodallergy.org. Uh, it's a food allergy research. I can't remember what the E stands for, but um, they're a national organization who's all about education um, and safety for kids. And the Teal Pumpkin Project is basically having a teal pumpkin. You can paint one, which um, I did last weekend at the fall <laughs> festival that I told you about. Um, so you can paint one yourself, you can buy one, um, and you put it on where you're the kids will be trick-or-treating. So like a front porch or wherever you are. And it basically signifies that you have um, food allergy safe treats or non-food toys. So like mm -hmm. you were saying, like crayons and coloring books or like fun erasers, stickers, those plastic rings that are the spiders or fidget toys or things like that. Um, and it's basically just an inclusive way for kids who do have a food allergy to still be involved in the festivities of trick-or-treat without having to worry about um possibly eating something that could put them in danger. What I was also reading too, and I thought it was interesting was they even had like, some had maps, even electronic map, but people like they will put their address that they were going to be involved in. So it'd be like a map. Hey, listen, this house says this one, this one, that one in the neighborhood, which I, I think that's great because when I mean, trick or treat, you just don't know. 
you don't know yeah. who until you, you see the the pumpkin, the, the purple or teal pumpkin. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was pretty interesting. With the- so interesting. Yeah, I love that they uh, leverage technology to enable that kind of um, initiative. I did. I didn't know they did that, so I'm really glad that you told me about that. That's cool. Well, it's interesting too, though. But it, it, it does help though because you just don't know going house to house, and the kids are like, "Hey, like that." Well, this is what happened with my son. We had a bigger bag, and he would have a small bag, and he'd be like, "Dad, time to dump." Dump it in the bag, run to the next house, dump it in the bag, run to the next house. By the end of the night, we walked the whole neighborhood. We were completely exhausted. And then, and then we we showed the candy when we got home, and Dad took a few for himself. Of course. <laughs> yeah. One for the son, two for the father. That's, That's how right. it works. It it's is. It's a for walking you around. Yeah. And so, <laughs> That's great. Well, well, one thing is interesting, too. You also you wrote a book about Kate's candy nuts. Okay. And um, what, what is that book about? So it is about the ordinary, extraordinary life of a girl with food allergies. So this is Katie. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is about her experience being a kid who has a food allergy, but yet it doesn't slow her down in life. So she still has adventure. She still plays soccer. She makes pancakes with her dad. She is still a ballerina and she is very vivacious. You can tell with some of the, um, the pictures that the illustrator brilliantly did that she still has a lot of energy um, you can see her here kind of talking to her friends about what she can have and what she can't. Um, and it does educate kids about what Katie with a nut allergy can have rather than stressing what she can't have. So it puts a little bit more of that empowering positive spin on it. It does talk about how um, she found out that she was allergic to nuts and then um, what she does with that information to share with her friends. And then um, in the activities section, it uh, do you remember that magazine highlights? Yes. Okay. So it inspired, I loved, I loved highlights growing up <laughs> um, and it inspired a lot of some of the activities. So there's like a riddle section, there's a decorate the pancakes, there's a match the socks. Um, this one's the match the socks. And then also a uh, find the hidden pictures mm-hmm. here. So in the doctor's office, you can find like the hidden images. So it's a way to kind of engage the kids to, uh, to be part of the adventure of Katie's ordinary, extraordinary life with food allergies. Is it a book based on you? It is. A lot of it is. Um, but then some of it was a little supplemental. Like I didn't get to play soccer as a kid. I also had asthma. And so I wasn't allowed to like run around in the grass. And I was always, I always wished I could play soccer. So I need <laughs> that opportunity that she gets to play soccer. Um, but other than that, there is a lot of, there's a lot of actually, uh, there's more diversity in Katie's story. She has a wider range of friends um, and other things that she is able to educate around. I think now she's lucky to come of age in this story at a time when food allergies have more awareness around them. Um, and so there are uh, probably a few scenes that are a little bit different than when I was growing up, but a lot of it is based on my experience as a kid growing up with a food allergy. What are some of your experiences? I was kind of curious. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I, I always felt different as a kid mm-hmm. because um, I wasn't allowed free reign to just have anything. So when I went to somebody's house, I always had to be very careful or I had to um, skip a snack because we didn't know what was in it. And I just felt different. And on top of that, because it, it was not only feeling different, but it was different because I was so um, susceptible to a life-threatening situation that I always kind of felt over uh, protected. And I always had to, I have this like very heavy weight of 
um, fear of a mistake because I knew what it could entail. So I think that throughout my childhood and then into my teenage years in college and, and now as an adult made me a little bit more risk averse and a little bit more, um, not introverted, but maybe I, I kind of t- took a step back more so than other kids who really get in there and like really explore being a kid and like take risks and they take adventures and they do these things. And so I think that that's more of the long lasting impact of some of those experiences as a kid. I've heard now that some kids are actually bullied based on their food mm-hmm. allergy. And thankfully I never had that experience. Um, I can't imagine what that would be like. That would be absolutely terrifying as a child to have that happen. But yeah, mine was mostly just feeling, feeling different. Well, I know that my son's school, he's um, now he's in third grade and stuff like that. And um, they had a table for kids with food allergies, a certain table and okay. they took that away. But it, it, beginning in the first grade, they used to, you couldn't have peanut butter sandwich, jelly sandwiches. But now you could bring it. Now they can bring it. But there used to be a table for kids that food allergies. You couldn't bring peanuts. You had to like mm-hmm. you had to put a certain circle on it. But like um, oh, what was it? Wow butter. That's what my alternative. But that is I I, I know people have food allergies, but I'm not sure what exactly wow butter is made of. Yep. But... Yeah, wow butter is made from actually roasted soybeans. Oh wow. Uh, so yeah, so it tastes more like peanut butter, but in my opinion. There's an, another one out that's called Sun Butter, and that one is made from, uh, that's the brand, but it's made from roasted sunflower seeds. Um, mm-hmm. And then this is actually another one called Once Again, mm-hmm. uh, Sunflower Nut Butter, or Sunflower Seed Butter, excuse me. And those are my go-tos for, you know, the substitutes when you just want that, like, that salty, nutty fat. I mean, it's good. It's really good yeah. on peanut butter and jelly. Like, it's never the same, like, to have to skip it. So I like those as alternatives, but... Yeah, I think the, I don't know. I think there are two schools of thought that I, I don't think it's cut and dry as to um, mm. isolating the kids with food allergies. Because on one hand, you want to keep them safe and away from a kid who might have brought a peanut butter sandwich. But having gone through the experience as a kid of, you know, feeling so different, it is very, very obvious that these kids are different in some capacity, and it's just. I don't know. You're a kid. You want to feel like you belong. We all want, I mean, I don't care what age you are. You want to feel like you belong, (laughs) but as a kid, you want to feel like you fit in like life is hard enough as a kid. So I kind of struggle with that one. Well, what is like some suggestion? Maybe have that conversation with like, all right, you're, you want to explain to your friends when you're in like third grade, but how do you have, how do you have that conversation about, Hey, listen, I I can't have that. Or, um, Mm -hmm. this might make me really sick, but how do you start a conversation? I think finding a way that is safe for the kid having the conversation, like having to express this is what makes me different and this actually puts me in danger and the kid who's receiving that information. So it's not that the the kid who is receiving the information did anything wrong because then they would be defensive and and feel like very constricted and, and upset. But it's finding that like common ground where maybe that kid is left-handed. Okay. So, oh, well you're left-handed. That makes you different and unique. This is my thing about being different and unique is I have to be careful about nuts or, um, even having the conversation at a higher level, parent to parent, teacher to parent, parent to teacher to just sort of lay the groundwork of like, Hey, this is what we need to be sensitive about with these kids. And then helping the teacher to say, it's not about what makes this person different as in 
wrong, but they are just different as in unique and talking about different ways that people are unique, I think becomes more of an inclusive approach to it rather than, oh, hey, look out for Catherine. She's got nuts. If, you know, it, it gives it a different tone and a different experience for the people hearing it that hopefully makes it a little bit easier to digest and not, again, not as scary because anything I think that we don't understand, we admit, we we are afraid mm-hmm. and then we kind of shut down and we aren't as collaborative or inclusive as we could be if it's something we don't understand. What kind of response have you gotten from the book? It's been really positive, actually. Like uh, I've had a couple of schools reach out to get it in the libraries. Um, pretty much all of the adults who have seen it have gotten it for their kids. They love it. So it's been like very positively reinforced. My uh, my mom is in education and she has actually taken it upon herself to go to some of the organizations in our community, like the allergists and the children's hospitals and put it in their libraries to make sure that kids would have it there as they're going through any sort of medical visit or doctor's visit. So that's been actually really kind of cool to, to be just like a little surprise of like dropping it here and there. Um, <laughs> businesses and institutions. So that's been really fun. Has any parents reached out to you? Anything like that? Any parents like reach out to you through email for your contact information on your website, anything like that? Yeah, they have. Thank you for asking. Yes. Some people actually reached out to me through my website. Instagram has been another big one um, that I feel like people will just very easily send a message there. And then uh, through Amazon, some Mm -hmm. people have also reached out when they've bought the book, they've gone back and, um, given me their thoughts on what they really appreciated and um, left the reviews there, but then also sent me um, individual notes, which I really appreciated too. And then any, like, I was just kind of curious, anything that touched you like, Oh, this was was a great message. Yeah. um, I had actually, it wasn't a, a direct friend of mine. It was like a friend of a friend of a friend. I got this video of this little boy reading it and he was learning how to read through this book. And it was just, Oh my goodness. So much. I had another girlfriend who has a nut allergy and her daughter has a nut allergy. And she, just the way that she described the girl's experience reading the book and then getting into the activities. And it just, I actually am kind of getting chills, like talking about it, that they were (laughs) were so into it that it was just, I was like, Oh my gosh, this book actually matters. Like it meant something to me to put it out there because it was my experience, but to know this validates other kids experiences and helps them feel like they're not alone, helps them feel empowered, included, like, okay. That's the big thing is like, you're okay. As you are, you're good enough. You are enough. You're fine. You're okay. Then that, Oh, it was such a, such a gift to get that kind of a message. When you, when you mentioned that, I can think of Mr. Rogers saying that too. You're yes. good enough. You're loved. You're, you know, yes. stuff like that. I can't remember the exact saying, but I I can think yeah. Of, yeah. yeah, there's something like that. Well, also too, you also have health and wellness programs on your website. Um, Catherine kissed. Um, I'm, I'm yeah, saying. Um, what what kind of programs do you offer there? What do you offer? Yeah, so I do everything from individual programs, so one on one coaching. If somebody wants, you know, very specific, precise coaching against a goal that they have, as well as I've done women's programs. I've done corporate uh, programs. So companies have brought me in to do a presentation in the morning around like a, a wide reaching health topic, whether it's stress management or elevating your performance at work and at home, uh, figuring out your new year's resolutions and keeping them on track, regardless of what time of the year it is, things like that. And then I would do coaching um, with various employees who signed up for it throughout the the days. I've also done um, just speaking engagements to like, again, about a topic that is wide reaching for all of us. And yeah, that's, that's, that's it. So the one-on-ones, the small group coaching, 
um, and the corporate events are the primary ones. Something interesting. Something interesting. I'll, I'll mention. Well, that link will be in the show notes for that this episode. Final final thoughts. Anyone leave with the audience about food allergies and Halloween? Oh, love that. If you're unsure, ask. And if you sense that a kid feels uncomfortable saying something or speaking up for themselves, um, just you know, follow your heart to help them feel comfortable and that they're okay, that it's okay, that they're different. Well, thank you, Kath. Thank you much for um, also where they can connect with you. They want to reach out more and ask more questions, find more about your book. Okay, definitely. Yeah. So it's katherinekeis.com um, is the website. And then on Instagram, it's at katherinekeis.com. And also, yeah, if you want to find out more, the book is available on barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, Target, and Walmart. In Barnes and Noble. Yeah. So it's available widely. Everywhere, pretty much. Everywhere, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Catherine. Thank you much for being on the show today. I really do appreciate all links will be in the show notes for this episode. I really do appreciate spending time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wrapping up this episode, I want to thank, well, thank you and thank Catherine. Catherine for being a guest on the podcast. You can find more about her over at catherinekeis.com. You can find the book also over there too. You can find all the links we talked about in the show notes over at nosittingonthesideline.com slash 119. Hey, if any questions, want to reach out, want to say hello, or just, yeah, want to say hello. If you appreciate you. Find all my contact information at nocityonthesideline.com slash contact. Well, wrapping up, I want to say have fun. Enjoy yourself. This is a fun time of year when you can dress up and pretend you can be a pirate or my son wants to be some video game character. And have fun and stay safe during the Halloween parties. And, and when you go out trick-or-treating, make sure you bring a flashlight. And so, but it's a fun time because you can see all kinds of people and how creative they actually can be. Stay safe. Well, thank you for listening. Until next time, take care. Give your kids a hug. Tell much you love them. You know what? Call a friend. Ask them if they're lonely and say, hey, I'm here for you, buddy. Until next time, take care. I see you.